Welcome to the podcast of the Renew Community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. As we adapt in this season of pandemic, we are meeting in our house churches in person and online as a primary space for worship, formation, connection, and encouragement. Teachings like this are one way we engage with scripture seeking to become more like Christ. These teaching podcasts also serve as a conversation starter for deeper engagement at House Church. We're glad you're listening. Yeah, we are, uh, we're in a series right now called Life in the Spirit. Uh, my name is Ben. I'm one of the pastors here at Renew, uh, and I've had the privilege of teaching one of the Sundays on Life in the Spirit, and we've heard from a few others, and it's been great to have a, a variety of voices uh, this morning, actually, I want to start us with a video, um, so we could cue that up, and quick question, this isn't rhetorical, how did that make you feel? Restful, yeah. Yeah, anybody else? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, anybody, anybody else? Heard some kind of like cringes. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> uncomfortable and sad to see that. A question, how many of you have ever felt like God is this still-faced God? And if you have the courage to raise your hand, I'll say yes, I've felt that before. How many, and you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you feel like that's how God is always looking at you? With this still face. What does this have to do with life in the spirit? Uh, I want to read from 2 Corinthians 3 and 4. Uh, the, the verse in 4 that I'm going to read is a verse that was given to me about five years ago, I think. And I... Um, it was the start of a journey, and, and I would say over the last three months, the prayers that began in that space have begun to be, be answered. And so I've kind of just been wrestling with this text a little bit, and, and I'm going to read it. And I, I, I'm going to confess, I don't understand all that's going on in this text, um, but there are some things that have really been shaping for me in this. So this is from 2 Corinthians 3, uh, and then one verse from chapter 4 as well. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. The church, you know, he went there, he shared the gospel, the good news, and people received this good news of Jesus who loves them and has redeemed them from sin. And, and now he's writing to them as an encouragement. And he says, you are our letter written in our hearts, known and read by all. You are a letter of commendation being manifested that you are a letter of Christ cared for by us written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. Such confidence we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So Paul's talking about the privilege that it has been to share the good news and how the Spirit 
is equipping them to do it. It's not their work. It's the Spirit's work through them to share this good news and, and see people's lives transformed. And this is the work of the Spirit, which is bringing life. Spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death, he's talking about the letter, he's talking about the law, if the ministry of death in letters engraved on stones came with glory so that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face, fading as it was, how will the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory? So he's referencing uh, from way back in Exodus when Moses is on Mount Sinai and God is giving him the law. He's writing it on stone tablets. And Moses' face is transformed by the presence of God, but people couldn't look at it because it was (laughs) too glorious. And Paul is saying that was just the beginning. Now we're ushered into a new covenant with the Spirit, the ministry of the Spirit, and how much more glory is that? And he continues, Therefore, having such a hope, we have great boldness in our speech and are not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. But their minds were hardened, for until this very day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted, because it is removed in Christ. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. And now down to chapter 4, verse 6. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. What Paul is saying is that when we give our lives to the Lord, there is a veil that's lifted so that we can see the full face of Jesus. And it is not a still face. It is a dynamic face. It's one of the things that I've loved about reading Mark. Mark really wants you to see Jesus because you need to figure out who is this Jesus. And so he describes Jesus' face in several, several different places. Mark was moved by, or Jesus was moved by compassion to heal a leper. Jesus looked at the rich young man with love which is important because he's then telling him to give everything away. 
But the look on Jesus' face is this look of love. But this is the work of the Spirit. This is what life in the Spirit brings us to, is what Tim was talking about. He calls us to look up and see the dynamic, beautiful face of Jesus. And as we behold his face, as we behold God's glory in the face of Jesus, we are transformed into that image. And I don't want this to sound abstract. Like this is actually supposed to be very, very practical, that the Spirit helps us to image Jesus, to reveal Jesus to us, to actually see him to picture him in the, with the eyes of faith in our mind's eye to see Jesus and to be able to look at his face and know that it is not a still face, but it reflects the glory of God. It radiates the glory of God that we are transformed. Uh, so this still face experience is rooted out of a lot of neuroscience, <clears throat> which is found, you know, what the video is showing, that face-to-face interaction is so important for our development. And the same is true in our spiritual development. It is important for forming joyful attachment. It's important for forming joyful attachment. And I've been learning a lot about joy uh, and growing. And, and several years ago, I was up here and I did a cartwheel when talking about joy. And I... <laughs> Joy is much, much more than cartwheels, which I'm very thankful for because I'm not sure if I can do one anymore. <laughs> but joy, joy is not merely happiness. Joy is not merely an emotion, though it is. It's not merely an emotion. And joy is not merely a choice, though it is. Joy is a deeply dynamic, relational experience. Joy is a deeply dynamic relational experience. Uh, I learned this definition from Jeff and Sid Holsclaw, who kind of adapted it from the work of Jim Wilder, who calls himself a neurotheologian um, because of his overlap between neuroscience and uh, his deep faith in Jesus. But here's the definition of joy I want to give you. Joy is the experience of being in the presence of someone who is glad to be with you. Joy is the experience of being in the presence of someone, and I would add, (laughs) our faith tells us that someone is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who is glad to be with you. And this is important because that means that joy is not merely happiness. Joy can actually still be present even in the midst of deep pain, in the midst of deep suffering. It's called compassion. Compassion means to suffer with. It means that there is somebody with you even in the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering. So there is still joy that can be present. Certainly joy is formed in those moments where we encounter laughter and smiles and joy, like, happy experience together, but it takes root and it is much, much deeper. Joy is a relational experience. It's joy comes from being connected relationally to others and most importantly to the God who wants 
to be with us. This is the good news. This is the story of Scripture that God wants to be with us. Emmanuel, God with us. And joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, and I think it's really important. I don't think Paul was, was making a mistake or just randomly picking how he lists those. I think it was very intentional. Jo- love, joy, peace. Those three, I think, really form the core, and out of those come the rest of the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit is the one who helps us to image Christ, to experience the face of Christ, the face of Jesus, to form joy in us, and that joy leads to transformation. What neuroscience has discovered is that joy is central. It is foundational to our development. It is essential to uh, secure attachment, to how secure attachment is formed. It is essential for emotional regulation, and most importantly, it's it's essential for our, the relational circuits of our brain to be on so that instead of moving into fight, flight, or freeze mode, if you're familiar with any of those terms, we can actually stay connected by returning to joy. Joy is deeply important for our spiritual formation, our spirit-led formation. The Spirit reveals the face of Christ to us that we might experience his loving gaze leading us to joy. Spirit-led joy in Christ is how our hearts are healed. Spirit-led joy in Christ is how our minds are transformed. Uh, I want to read this passage from Psalm 16, 7 through 11. Says, I will bless the Lord who has counseled me. Indeed, my mind instructs me in the night. I have set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. I have set the Lord continually before me. He's saying, I I got the Lord in front of me so I, I can see him. And he's at my right hand. He is with me. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad, aka joyful. And my glory rejoices. Again, joy. My flesh will also dwell securely. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence, now this word presence is literally face. It is the same Hebrew word as face. So, Literally, in your face is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures, delights, joy, again, forever. The presence of the Lord ushers us into joy. And this from Psalm 51, verses 9 through 12. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your face, your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Well, the psalmist has recognized that sin puts that veil up, keeps us from seeing the face of God, the face of Christ, saying, 
Turn your face from my sin. I need your forgiveness, but don't turn your face from me. Don't remove me from your face. Get rid of the sin, and this is the work of the Spirit. Do not take away your Holy Spirit, because I need your Holy Spirit to transform me, to free me. This has been a huge part of my personal journey over the last several months. Um, I would say in January, um, I was probably at one of the lowest just points in my life. Um, just, uh, I don't know, but I think the weight of several years of, of just some hard things and just uh, led me into withdrawal. And so I want to I wanna say if, if you felt that from me, withdrawing in any way, January, February, please forgive me. And please know that it was not you, it's me. We're not breaking up, but it wasn't you, it was me. Um, but it was a difficult time, and, and I'm very grateful. The Lord, I, I still can look it back in that season and see the Lord at work uh, in me and through me. Um, but it, it, an important shift occurred. So I, I was in this season of withdrawal, uh, just withdrawing from things. And, and one of the first things I noticed, um, the Lord was still was trying to call me out of that and say, like, you got to stop doing this. I, I was both. I was playing FIFA, a beautiful video game of soccer, nothing inherently evil about FIFA and playing FIFA. But what it became for me was this place that I could withdraw to and be by myself. And it had this addictive hold on me. And I sensed the Lord saying, you got to, you got to lay this down. And I tried, I tried. I said, I'm going to, I'm going to fast for this for a week. And that week was great, but then it came back. But eventually what happened is the Lord restored to me the joy of his salvation. And through some, some folks who were speaking into my life, some folks who were inviting me into the practice of, of inviting the spirit to literally see, to guide me into seeing the face of Jesus, to encounter his presence, and joy started to take place in that. Because I was with Jesus, and I could see his face, I could see his kindness for me, his love for me, his affection for me, his forgiveness that he wanted to offer me. And as joy began to take root, FIFA wasn't important to me anymore. Why would I want to withdraw to that when I could be before the face of Jesus? So this, this sin, this sin that had taken root was freed. <laughs> freed from it. And there are still some things that the Lord is working on me to heal. But what I'm noticing is that joy, spirit-led joy is at the root of this transformation. Uh, and so what would happen too in these, in these spirit-guided imaging of Jesus is be drawn to reflect on memories from my childhood of when I experienced joy and it began to transform my mind. Because as I would picture these, these memories, and one of my favorite ones is uh, being in the kitchen where I grew up and my mom and I used to make chocolate chip cookies on a regular basis and enter into this memory. It's so beautiful. I could see the, the design of the, the linoleum floor and I can hear the sound of, of the, the, 
uh, mixing bowl moving, the sound of the oven as it's heating up, and begin to, to smell the vanilla and the butter and, and the eggs. And oh, memory becomes so rich, so rich, so rich. And I'm so grateful for it. And then I invited, Jesus was present in that. Because he was there, he was in that house because my mom loved the Lord. So now this memory is beautiful just because chocolate chip cookies, they're delicious. But it's even more beautiful because Jesus is present there and I could see the delight in his face as he's interacting with me and my mom. And joy is taking root and it's, it's healing me and it's transforming me. And then as I continued in this journey, what happened is some painful memories came to mind. The Spirit brought to mind painful memories of my childhood. I'm I'm very blessed with a a very good childhood. Um, But there are some hard things that happen. There are hard things that happen in all of our lives, some of us much more than others. But what happened is the Lord brought these painful memories to mind that he also revealed the face of Christ present in those memories too. The fear, the confusion of those memories begins to subside as the Lord heals those memories. Spirit-led joy in Christ was and is transforming my mind, renewing my mind. Spirit-led joy in Christ is how my heart was and is being healed. Hallelujah. So the Holy Spirit, life in the Spirit, is the Spirit reminding us that we are in Christ, and Christ is available to us. He is present to us, and we can open up our eyes, be unveiled to see the fullness of God's glory in the face of Christ, and it is not a still face. We can draw our gaze to Jesus' face and experience his joy, the joy of his forgiveness, the joy of his righteousness, the joy of his salvation, the joy of his delight, the joy of his provision, the joy of his compassion. In John 15, Jesus is teaching his disciples about the spirit-led life, calling them to abide in him. He's, he's ushering them into what discipleship really looks like, what spiritual formation looks like to abide in Christ. And he says a couple profound things in there. He says, just as the Father has loved me, just as God the Father loves Jesus, his unique, beloved son, that same love, I have also loved you. Jesus loves you with that love. And at the end, at the end of encouraging them, teaching them to abide, he says this. This is why he was teaching them to abide. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Spirit, come. Spirit, come and help us to see the joyful, loving, compassionate face of Jesus. 
to be renewed, to be restored to the joy of salvation, or to experience it for the very first time? Would you make Jesus real to us? Amen. Uh, I may have gone really long. Um, I don't know, invite the worship team up. Um, but if, if you would be willing, I'd, I'd love to just read a, lead us in a, a quick uh, prayerful meditation um, to, to invite the Holy Spirit to scan your memory for joy. Uh, because these joyful memories uh, actually work in our brain um, to do amazing things. Uh, so I want to invite us into that if, if you're willing with, to do that with me. Uh, to take five minutes as the, the band prepares to lead us again in worship. Holy Spirit, uh, we invite you to take hold of our memories and, and, and guide our minds as we look back over the places in our life where we've encountered joy. Or, or maybe it's just a, a time when we've just felt okay. Uh, some of us have lots of those memories, and some of us feel like we're not even sure if we can find one. Lord, even if it's just a moment, I pray that you would bring that to mind. And Lord, if, if, if there's not a moment, if we can't come up with one, I pray that you would uh, help our imaginations to picture what that joy could possibly look like and just imagine it now. Lord, release us from any pressure to do this right or to do this a certain way, but just invite you to guide our memories and help us to find that memory. And as we find that memory, Lord, I, I ask that you would give us the eyes to, to see. See the details around us in that place. I invite you to, to open up our nostrils to, to smell the smells of that place and that time. Whether those scents are strong or subtle, help us to smell them. And would you open our ears to the sounds, whether they're loud or subtle? Open our ears to the sounds of that memory. And Lord, if there are things that we can taste, um, even if it's just on our lips, would you help us to taste them? And whatever it is that we can touch or feel, you help us to remember the, the touch and the feel of that place. And Holy Spirit, as, as we sit in this memory, I pray that you would 
give us a picture of Jesus in that place. It help us to see his face as he enters that moment with us. you fill our hearts with gratitude for Jesus, the beauty of this memory, the beauty of this moment. Holy Spirit, would you strengthen that joy bond that we could carry that forward and call that to mind to see the face of Christ all the glory of God that is full in his wonderful face. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.